The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. My name's Maureen Metcalf, and today we're talking to Mike Sayer. He's the co-founder, president, and CEO of Next Defense. Mike has more than 30 years of leading technology and manufacturing organizations uh, through startups, strategic formation, both domestic and international. He's done mergers and acquisitions and also uh, led organizations through significant financial transitions. I selected Mike as a guest today because he's been a role model of mine for many years. He's consistently demonstrating a high degree of emotional intelligence combined with analytical rigor. And why this has been important is as he steps in in the president or CEO role to transform a company, he's not only leading by the numbers, but he's also leading the people in a way that allows people to trust and follow him through some pretty tough transitions. And I think while there are a lot of leaders who can do turnarounds, there are not a lot of leaders who leave employees with the kind of loyalty that Mike does during these tough transitions. So I think he's quite an exceptional uh, colleague, and I'm fortunate to call him a friend. Um, Today, Mike's going to talk about his keys to success and specifically his new role in Next Defense. In an environment where cybersecurity is such a hot topic, his company is positioned to resolve one of the biggest risk elements for organizations with control systems and um, automation. And these would be organizations like power plants, refineries, mass transit, to name a few. So he'll share his insights about being an executive and specifically the challenges that Next Defense is is resolving. So for listeners who are aware of or maybe not even aware of the cybersecurity implications we're facing in our organizations or in tangential organizations, he'll help us understand more of what those are and why we should care and and give us a little bit, bit of background. So the goal for this Voice America series is really helping leaders innovate how they lead. And so my goal as the host or hostess is to select guests who are exceptional as leaders and also people who bring hardcore content knowledge. And Mike is going to do both of those. And my hope is that each week you leave with something you didn't know that you can put in practice as a leader to be more effective yourself. Yeah, I talk every week about becoming taking on the mind of a scientist. How do I take what I learned from Mike and apply one thing over the next week and kind of test it out and see how it's doing such that at the end of a few months, as a leader, I am much more current than I would have been in the past. So the outcome of today's session, I hope you leave with an understanding of how Mike is unique as a leader and how he uses his combination of intellect and emotional intelligence to, in the case of Next Defense, to grow a, a company to significant scale. Uh, he, he's also used those same skills in transformation and and right-sizing and the other things that organizational turnaround requires. So let's go to Mike. He's going to share a bit of his background and then move into discussion of Next Defense and, and what they do and uh, why that's important. So Mike, please introduce yourself a little more than I did. So Good morning and thank you uh, for having me here today. I appreciate that. Um, so I have a uh, sort of a varied background. 
I've been in, uh, I started out in IT, I was in finance, I was in manufacturing operations, uh, and then I was fortunate enough to get the opportunity to lead a couple of organizations um, in different kinds of industries, electronics manufacturing uh, services, I would call it, uh, Pinnacle Data Systems, uh, also um, global payments processing for internet sites uh, all over the world, of course, uh, to check out. And then uh, my latest uh, endeavor, joining a couple of partners that I did a start, start up with about 15 years ago uh, and, uh, at Next Defense. And what Next Defense does <clears throat> is provide uh, cybersecurity software to uh, help protect the control systems and automation in the sorts of plants that, uh, just the sort of plants that you were talking about before. Not the business systems, the, the control systems actually run the equipment in the plants. So let's move into why did you select this opportunity? Why, as you're looking around, you're a CEO, you've just exited from a, a large company sale, and you chose Next Defense. What was it that made you select this opportunity? So as uh, corny as it probably sounds, you know, my, my own personal life mission is to improve as many lives on this earth as I can before I leave it. Right, and those people don't have to know that, right? So mm -hmm. when I look at a new opportunity, I look for three things. The first one is, uh, is I actually want a, a, a large social purpose. Mm -hmm. And at Next Defense, what larger social purpose could you have than basically trying to protect the world, right? As tried as that may sound, it's, it's, a, it's a big challenge. And uh, the other two things are doing things that I really love to do mm -hmm. and that you know I have some skill in and doing it with people I love to do it with. And so Next Defense, having two partners I worked with before and I loved working with, Michael Asante and Derek Harp, uh, and you know, leading this effort, this startup, you know, to help protect the world fit all my, you know, all my criteria. So tell us a little bit more about what the Next Defense does. Okay, um, so let me give you an example because I think those, those always help the most. So then the last year, the German government actually reported, and I say actually because it's not done quite so often, it's not done in great detail as you'll hear, uh, reported that um, there was a cyber attack on a steel mill in Germany. So hackers sent phishing emails into the corporate office of this steel mill to try to steal usernames and passwords, and they were successful. They used those usernames and passwords to break back into the corporate network, to break through the firewalls into the control systems that actually run the equipment in the plant. One of the largest pieces of equipment in a steel mill is a blast furnace. And a blast furnace is several stories high. It's full of iron ore and other materials that are being melted at about 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit um, to, to, to make steel. So these guys broke through the firewall into the control system. They, they changed some of the settings in the blast furnace and actually created a huge explosion. And the, 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 the most amount of detail that the German government would, would give is that it caused massive damage. Wow. So years ago, I was consulting uh, at, in the U.S. Air Force. And to be relevant, I wanted to understand some of our security concerns as a, as a government, as a country. And one of the presenters at the Air War College was Alvin Toffler, and he talked about the future of, of warfare. So tracking from during the agrarian era, people would farm during the summer and fight during the winter and then come home to their farms and, and farm. And how war has evolved during the industrial era we're able to mass produce bombs and we just not much precision, but a lot of damage. Yeah. Then we went to smart bombs. And for those of us during Desert Storm who watched the, the bunker blaster bomb, we, we saw the precision. And what he talked about was the next wave of warfare would be this hackers being able to, from around the world, they, they no longer need to show up in planes or put their own lives at risk, they can sit at a keyboard somewhere on the planet and, and get into large systems, shut down power grids, 
blow up nuclear plants. And so we're talking about, when you talk about defense, you really are talking about foundational equipment that runs our country and our infrastructure and keeping it safe. Yeah, we, we absolutely are. And, you know, they, you know, uh, another challenge with that is they, they don't even know who did it. And Still. So attribution, at least the last time I that I saw anything on it, uh, they, they, they were not able to figure out who did it. Could have been inside people. Could have been employees, a disgruntled employee, but it also could have been a nation state or somebody else with some sort of axe to grind with the steel company. Who knows? Right. It, it could be anything like that. But, you know, there's uh, – in that story, um, it needs to be told that uh, control systems are very different from your business systems. This is probably the hardest thing that people have getting over this. You know, they're, they're worried about information security, about mm-hmm. people stealing their credit card information, their social security numbers, you know, and the Sony have where they're stealing email. All those – those are all information security. Right. The, the, the dangers are information oriented. Mm-hmm. So these are control systems that are controlling physical equipment. The consequences are very physical. In your business network, mm-hmm. you're, you, you've got laptop, laptops, desktops, printers, you know, wireless routers, that kind of equipment. In a control systems network, you have some of those. But they're attached to things like programmable logic controllers, which are controlled to switches and valves and pumps and things that are physically running that equipment like that blast furnace. So, uh, so what our product does, the software that we, that we provide today is called Sophia. Mm-hmm. And Sophia was actually developed, the initial technology was developed at the Idaho National Lab. Uh, which is a huge nuclear research lab and cybersecurity uh, lab as well. And it was funded by uh, the Department of Energy just to, just to help protect uh, power plants in the U.S. So how did so, it get from, so, get from Idaho or Idaho? Yeah. To Next Defense. That's an Idaho interesting. Idaho National Lab, right? So, so I have uh, two partners, and, and I, th- I think this is pretty key as well. So each one of my partners and I have a very different skill sets. Mm-hmm. Michael Asante is a internationally known and very highly regarded cybersecurity expert. He has, uh, he's advised the White House. He's testified before Congress. He was the chief security officer for the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, which mm. is a federal government organization um, involved in trying to protect the grid. Uh, he was also the chief security officer here in uh, Columbus, Ohio at American Electric Power. Mm. And so he's our cybersecurity expert. Uh, Derek Harp is our serial entrepreneur. Uh, Derek has started several companies. Uh, you know, anybody that you look at that is involved in our organization today, be it large customers, partners, uh, investors, and, and even a, a good number of, uh, of our employees today, there's some thread that goes back to Derek. And so that that ability to to network and to get people excited and interested and get them involved is what what Derek is really really great at. And then I'm I'm the operator. Right? I've been running companies for several years, and uh, that's what I do. Those are three totally different skill sets. And so uh, just because I'm the CEO and president doesn't make me god of this company, mm-hmm. right? I'm just mm-hmm. I'm I'm one of three right, right co-founders, but I'm one of a team. It's interesting to hear how the team fits together. And presumably each of you set egos aside for the the mission of the company mm-hmm. and for the not only for growing and making a successful company but for the output that the company provides making the world more safe. Yeah. So uh, to complete that uh, Mike was actually doing some work at the Idaho National Lab. When he saw Sophia under development there, he called Derek, mm-hmm. and you know they had been talking about starting another business someday. And we'd all gone three different ways because our first startup was uh, was 1997 to 2001. Okay. And uh, all went separate ways. Uh, Mike called Derek uh, on the technology. Derek called me and said, "Hey, we actually just won a bid to commercialize this technology." But the bid was actually to negotiate a a perpetual license with the federal government. So would you come and help us do that? And then would you you be the CEO of the company? 
So that's how we actually got the technology. It was being bid out for commercialization. We won that. We were successful in getting an exclusive license to do whatever we can to get Sophia technology mm -hmm. out around the world to protect critical infrastructure. And, uh, and that's what we're doing today. And so the government developed it. You're commercializing it. That just They developed the, the core technology, mm -hmm. which is uh, network anomaly detection. Okay. So what the basic technology did was it would uh, you plug it into your network. It's totally passive and safe. So one of the things mm, you should understand okay. about control system networks, especially in critical infrastructure, some of the technology that's in there is so old that if you try to take you know an information security tool from a business network and put it in that environment, it could actually be pretty dangerous because the technology is so old, you could actually cause that older technology to just crash. Okay. Stop. So this is a passive monitoring system. It's a passive monitoring system. It'll you put it on the network uh, on what they call a, a mirror port. So all the data that's going through a like a switch is being um, is being mirrored. Mm -hmm. It just takes data out of that switch, and uh, and it stores all of the different devices that are on the network, mm -hmm. all of the different communication paths. And then, uh, and then the engineers and the operators go through that and make sure that you know those are all approved. Those are what they do mm -hmm, want on mm -hmm. the network, and they call that baselining. So they create a, a baseline of what should be going on in the network, and then uh, the system continually monitors after that. And whenever there's anything different, it immediately tells the operator and gives them information that they can go start taking action on. Cool. And then it look. It, I'm guessing that what. Next Defense did was take that and and modify it to be more user friendly from from a corporation perspective. Uh, yes, yeah. so uh, so it was developed in a lab. Uh -huh. It was not developed with your normal software development, uh, you know, rigor and mm -hmm. uh, processes. And so we spent quite a bit of time on getting it up to to standards. We mm -hmm. had the code all. Um, uh, inspected for secure, good secure coding practices. And then it was, there are two parts to it. There's a visualization that actually shows all of that traffic going back and forth. Mm -hmm. And we significantly improved that and put more information on it, made it more visually easy to understand and actually to be able to customize it to your own facility that you're watching the network on. And then there's a very powerful database behind that that's used for analysis and figuring out what the next steps are. Ah, interesting. So one of our guests who, who has spoken several times is James Brenza talking about analytics. Mm. So this yeah. is a hardcore – it has a component that's a hardcore analytics tool. Both visual and data. Okay. And, and we talked about visualization and, and the value of being able to identify quickly anomalies versus looking through stacks of numbers. Well, it works two ways. So if you if you were to talk to people that are in information security, they actually like the data better than they like the visualization. Okay. If you talk to a plant operator and you walk into their world, all they have are, are different you know monitors around the room okay. visually showing them what's going on in their plant. That's what they like. And so there, there are two sides to mm -hmm. that. And, mm -hmm. and today there's a convergence between information technology and uh, what they call operating technology. And in that convergence is the, you know, the very visual people, you know, getting alerts and figuring out what's going on from their perspective. Mm -hmm. But then you have the, you know, more of the IT or the security analysts digging through the data to get a lot more information about exactly what's going on and how did this occur mm -hmm. and, you know, what would the, you know, what could it have done and how do we keep it from happening again? So from the operator perspective, I need something that immediately shows up red or makes a sound so I can take action, unplug, yep. or I'm sure it's not unplugging, but whatever the version of stopping. Many of them like that. More sophisticated operators with newer equipment actually would rather uh, maybe not use the visualization mm -hmm. so much, but just have the alerts come out okay. into uh, what they call their security uh, incident event management system. And... Um, uh, and have that alert feed into that one console that mm -hmm. they watch all the time. And when they see that, then they can actually go to Sophia, mm -hmm. right, and take up the visualization, look at the data, and see what's actually going on. So, 
and then down the road, someone's analyzing and preventing it from happening again. Right. But but in the in the moment, truly, I'm guessing sometimes these are f- I've got five seconds to respond. Something goes so, red, and I need to okay. So it. so let me go back to why Sophia was developed to begin with. Uh-huh. Uh, I won't go into the Stuxnet story, but the uh, what Stuxnet had to do with was hackers spending a whole lot of time. This is months, if not years, to figure out exactly how to perpetrate, you know, their their um, centrifuges that were enriching uranium. And, uh, and it took a long time to do that, right? So when the uh, Department of Energy went to Idaho National Lab, they said, you know, what would keep you out of our critical infrastructure and not give you the time to, to figure out how to actually break something, right? And they said, well... If you, could, if you could catch us the second that we came into your system, which Sophia does, uh-huh. and block us out, okay. even if it was just to go to your firewall and create rules to keep us out, we'd go somewhere else. Okay, so Because this is... we need time to do our discovery process to figure out how we can damage the system first. So not unlike my very simplistic example that I would – if I see someone monitoring my house, yeah. I, I go out and ask them if I can help them. And that usually has them remove themselves from my block. Right. They'll go – if they're going to burglarize, they'll go someplace else. Right. Okay. On that note, let's take a break. Sure. This is Maureen Metcalf with Mike Sayer, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. And today we're focusing on Next Defense and the security systems that they provide. We'll be right back. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, and welcome back. This is Maureen Metcalf and Mike Sayer, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. So if you're just joining us, Mike is talking about Sophia and Next Defense, and specifically how Sophia identifies intruders, blocks them early, and helps keep not only the network but the uh, infrastructure that the network manages secure. So can you tell us a little bit more about Sophia's success stories? And then I want to talk a little bit about your success stories. Running an entrepreneurial company, what it, how do you do this? How do you do it well? But let's talk about Sophia first. Great. 
<laughs> so, uh, so one of the things really important, and, and you, you said it rather quickly, but it's really important, is that Sophia actually doesn't block or do anything in the control system itself. Um, the operators and security people mm, in those plants, it. they don't want you to automatically do anything in their plant. Okay. You give them the information and they'll go They'll go take care of it. So that's a finer point, but it's really important. <laughs> okay. Uh, Thank so, you for pointing that out. Well, a lot of the information security tools today do automatically mm-hmm. do things. And my guess is eventually we'll get there, but they're not ready for that yet. And we're not going to. Okay try to push it on them. So, um, yeah, so there are uh, a, a couple of stories I can tell you about in terms of where Sophia has been a, a huge help. So the first thing Sophia does is that uh, when you plug it in, it starts uh, identifying all of the devices on your network. Well, you would be surprised how many of these facilities that you could go in today, and for lots of really uh, understandable reasons, they don't actually know what's all on their network. You know, they could be the, you know, that system could be out there for 20 years and they're the mm. third set of people, yeah. right, that have actually operated and, and the people before them didn't keep up the documentation or whatever and the mm. changes were made. And so they really don't know what's on there. And it's especially bad if they don't know when there are some things on there that really shouldn't be on there. So, um, so there are uh, a number of consultancies today. Uh, very highly thought of uh, in control system security and and actually the Department of Homeland Security mm-hmm. uh, use Sophia just for that purpose they're they're asked to come in and do um, security assessments on these control systems and the first thing they need to do is figure out what's on them okay and so they use Sophia for that today okay so um, there was um, actually one power plant that they used Sophia on and and they plugged it in and they're looking at the visualization and they see all this activity and and the operator goes what are all those devices out there there's a lot more on this than should ever be on there and so they did their investigation and what they found was that uh, actually a couple years before the city had connected its citywide camera system to the power network like red light cameras yeah 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 exactly like red light cameras and any other cameras uh you know that are sort of monitoring what's going out Mm -hmm. in the city uh which essentially made that system very vulnerable because you could have just unplugged a camera and plugged in a laptop and you'd have direct access into their power network yeah wow so uh (laughs) yeah yeah so um in another instance this is a pretty cool story so there's a smart grid uh or a smart meter grid that um they they knew they had had a denial of service attack which is um when you know hackers cause devices to overload a particular Mm -hmm. server uh with uh messages and they, they essentially deny any service out of that server because it's so busy trying to handle everything that's mm-hmm. going on. So the smart grid uh, or smart meter grid, they knew that they had been having denial of service attacks in it, around it or something. They weren't really sure, I don't think, at the time. Uh, and so they, they, ran, um, they ran the data through Sophia, and you could see clearly in the Sophia visualization that somewhere out of Russia – and we can show pretty close uh, in terms of where things are happening. Um, somewhere out of Russia, little data packets would come down into their smart meter installation, and all of a sudden, big data packets would go out to all of these banks around the world. And so what, the, what this Russian group had done was essentially hijack the smart, the smart meters, uh, put botware on them, and it could control when they would do these denial of service attacks on these several banks. And, you know, so, okay, so cool. So take all those bots off there and, and get rid of them. But fact is that that could have created a really large liability situation, and this is something that's being talked about a lot today, for, uh, for the people in the middle of that attack. So the owners of that smart meter grid you know, they allowed somebody to essentially, not intentionally, to use their smart meters mm-hmm. to conduct denial of service on banks around the world. That's a liability issue, potentially. Huge, so, I would assume. Yeah, potentially. So, uh, yeah, so that's just one more story. Of- What's interesting that our hacker, the hackers are ahead of our uh, 
legislation. So oh, we're, for we're sure. and and it is just the nature of how the world will be presumably going forward, yeah. potentially for decades. Yep. That we've got smart, often young folks who entertain themselves by doing some of these things. Yep. I, ass- I assume there are also people with very malicious intent. It's all kinds of people, right? And so, um, you know, so people, and, and actually sometimes it's not even people with malicious intent. Somebody makes a mistake like hanging that camera system mm-hmm. on that power yeah. network yeah. and all of a sudden they created this huge vulnerability to mm-hmm. their power grid. So, you know, and, and some people go, oh, you guys are just... You're just selling FUD, right? Fear, mm-hmm. uncertainty, and doubt. Well, at next offense, you know, there is no uncertainty or doubt about the stuff going on and what the potential is. So mm-hmm. uh, so we're pushing past the fear and just trying to do something about it. So, so back to our Alvin Toffler point that from a Homeland Security perspective, there are people out there doing bad things. There are for sure. We know that. And your job isn't to create fear. Your job is to solve the problem. Try to figure, yeah, figure out how to solve the problem. And it may be imperfect in that you're being proactive and there are other people out there also being proactive. Oh, there are a lot of people working on it, but uh, there are a lot of people <laughs> that are trying to figure out, you know, and get ahead, you know, on mm-hmm. how, they, how they do their next act. So, so this is um, almost a, not an arms race, but a defense race. Oh, for sure it is. Yeah. And again, this is, I'm assuming, an industry that will continue to grow for the foreseeable future. It, it, it definitely will grow. I think the information security market today is over $70 billion. And the industrial control system security market uh, alone, spending on security for these systems, is, uh, was about $8 billion in 2014. So almost uh, a factor of 10 smaller. Today, yeah. So, 15 years ago, when we started uh, our first startup, uh, Logikey, which eventually became Cisco's IntelliShield offering, uh, the information security market was about a billion, and they were thinking it probably would get to five to ten billion. And at that time, that didn't seem big enough to us. And today, it's seventy to eighty. And we actually expect, you know, similar, similar, maybe not, you know, not seventy-eight billion dollar growth, but significant growth over what the projections are today. And so that'll be, I'm assuming, other companies will start. They'll come behind, and you have the perpetual license to Sophia, so other people right. won't be commercializing that. Well, so, you know, some, some, oh, yeah, they won't be commercializing Sophia, but, um, you know, there are other people that are working on similar technologies. Mm-hmm. There's a handful of competitor, potential direct competitors today that have some overlapping functionality what we're doing. The, mm-hmm. the market and our potential customers all over are saying, no, you guys are clearly ahead today. Today. But yeah, <laughs> well, we, can't, we, we can't rest on our laurels, right? Yeah, so yeah. we keep going. Uh, the Sophia technology uh, is patent pending in the US. So tell us now, you, you took this on about a year and a half ago? <sighs> Two and a half years Two now. Two and a half years now. Yeah. And you did it for your own to to take a job that's aligned with your social your life purpose. Right. Tell us a little bit more about the strengths of you as an individual that's allowed you to take something that was an idea, you and your partner, so not just you. Yeah. Into a large market that potentially saves a lot of lives. What what do you draw on? Because while it sounds easy sitting in my chair, I know that this hasn't been an easy journey. Um, no, but As startups, an entrepreneur, it startups never is. rarely are. Right? There's <laughs> lots of ups and downs and mm-hmm. roller coaster rides. Uh, what I would say that has been most helpful to us is none of the three founders has uh, an ego that they let get too mm-hmm. far out of control, right? Mm-hmm. We know we need each other, and we know that we need the team that we've put together. Mm-hmm. And the team that we've put together knows that we need them too. And so we're all work, working together. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it, it truly is a team. Um, you know, sort of one of the tenets I, I, I like to live by is if anybody on the team fa- quote-unquote fails, 
then we all failed in some way. Why would we let mm -hmm. that happen, mm -hmm. right? So if there's something that we can do to keep that from happening, we should just be jumping in. It should be a matter of course. So. so it sounds like your culture is one of support. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I guess here's, a, here's another one that uh, I use a lot. I don't, you don't always need this, but especially when you go into a turnaround situation where you've got people that are, you know, sort of the – the backbiting, the, the you know, the departmentalization, you know, and people are not communicating. And that that is to assume first that the people that you're talking to actually want to be successful and they're trying to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe they don't know what you know. Maybe you don't know what they know, right? So you're, you're much better to assume that you're both trying to do the same thing, same goal, end goals in mind, and try to work through that rather than thinking, well, you're just trying to undermine me, mm -hmm. right? Or, you know, you're trying to prove that I'm wrong. You're trying, you know, you're, mm -hmm. you're, you've got bad intentions. No, they don't. Yeah, that, that assume positive intent is, is the wording I use. And it, it, it's tough when you're in the middle of, like, how could any smart person have done that? Yeah. And yet you know you picked them. And you picked them for good reason, so yep. they're probably doing something that makes sense to them in the moment. Yeah, absolutely, right? They want to be successful, and they want the, the, the group to be successful. And mm -hmm. So just if you at least start with that premise, mm -hmm. you know, things work out a lot better most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Not always, <Yeah>. most of the time. Well, and, and that gets into all of the emotional intelligence how do I shut up when something happens yeah. and ask a question? Because our probably most of us, our innate response, innate response would not be to ask a question. Yeah. It, so if you, you know, what, what I try to do is understand more of the history. So when I have gone into a couple of new situations, I'm the new guy and, you know, and, and they're looking for me to, to do something to turn it around. Uh, actually, I don't go in and assume that everybody's trying to screw things up because they aren't, right? Things are the way they are for lots of different mm -hmm. reasons. And yeah. so generally, if you can get to what those reasons are, there's actually some sound thinking there, mm -hmm. right? Maybe things have changed, you know, or maybe things are, are, are not uh, as dire as people thought when they went to do that. Uh, maybe they just didn't have enough information. Now we have more information. You know, there are all kinds of reasons to, to have to change. But people did things for good reason when they did them. You know, I think to the story you just told about the cameras being attached to the system. Yeah. At some point, that made sense to somebody. They made the right. best decision they could with what information they had. Yep. Uh, and then as life progresses, as the world changes, you discover that that, that decision made years ago is suddenly a really bad decision. But in the moment, it wasn't a bad decision. No. So, so how do we then pivot without running people over? Right. You know, one of the other things I've found both in consulting roles and in board roles is we don't give people enough information. And so they assume that what they're doing is good and, yeah. and right and appropriate. And absent information, they wouldn't think anything else. And yet we're sitting in some sort of leadership role or analytical role or board role and see the the train coming at our heads. Yeah. And for some reason, we don't always convey that. We don't want to worry people. We don't want turnover. We don't want our customers to leave. Again, lots of good reasons. And, and yet we, our lack of action or lack of information sharing perpetuates the, the negative situation. Oh, for sure. For sure it does. You know, we did, uh, we did a number of layoffs at uh, Pinnacle Data Systems uh, around 2008, 2009 because the economy was dropping. It was dropping so fast and nobody knew where the bottom was. Well, I'm not one to just, you know, just, okay, let's just go to the most conservative stance mm -hmm. we can. You know, I, I, we're doing a lot of things. I sort of want to say that. So we did multiple, uh, multiple layoffs over, you know, several quarters. And I can only remember one person actually leaving the company um, because they wanted to, and they actually had a great opportunity. Mm. Um, um, everybody else stuck around, and I think I think it's uh, uh, first of all they got to believe in what you're doing, mm -hmm. and they have to really love working there. 
you know, mm-hmm. and people I think generally are, are loyal. So you got to give them reasons to continue being that way. Mm-hmm. So when we did a layoff, first thing we always do, right, is acknowledge that, you know, people have been negatively affected here, right? Yeah. So whatever you can do to, to help them, and we're going to do everything we can, mm-hmm. you know, to help them along. Mm-hmm. But now here's what you need to do. Yeah. They just want to know what they need to do. Yeah. How bad is it? What do I need to do? How do I help? And mm-hmm. uh, you know, and you don't have to tell everybody exactly what they need to do, but if you can give some general guidelines mm-hmm. on, you know, here's here's what here are the things that we need to be concentrating on now and focusing on, and they'll focus on those things, mm-hmm. right? They don't want to go find other jobs. I worked for an organization, and we did layoffs. We let off twelve people. Seventy-five quit in the next six months. We had handled it badly. And you tell the opposite story. One quit. And you laid off a lot more people, and they were ongoing layoffs. We as leaders have a huge opportunity to create an environment where people want to do the right thing. Or we create an environment where they can't get out quick enough. We don't give them enough credit. They're smart people. Yeah. (laughs) If they have information, right? Yeah. So on that note, let's go to break. This is Mike Sayer and Maureen Metcalf, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. If you are a beginning or aspiring entrepreneur, have you thought about a coach or mentor? For instance, think about sports figures who have successfully become entrepreneurs and leaders in business. They started out with a coach in their respective sport, and many work with a coach today to help them continue to achieve their goals. Listen for ESCN with host Michael Dawson and co-host Angelia Hobson and Diane Daniels. Tune in Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central, and 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business and rebroadcasts on Voice America Sports. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. This is Maureen Metcalf and Mike Sayer, and you're listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Mike is the co-founder, CEO, and president of Next Defense, and he's talked a lot about what Next Defense does in creating security for control systems. I want to shift our tone a little bit. And Mike talked about creating a culture that supports people, is honest and transparent. 
And one of my questions is, you're the guy in charge, you get to do that. And people probably mostly listen to you. They may push back a little bit, but you kind of get to drive mostly the direction you want to. How about for the listener who is not the CEO or president? How, how did you get from the, the various steps you were in before you got here? You've had a long, rich career. You didn't start as a CEO. No. Tell us a little bit about how you got here. Well, so I am what I am, right? So the first thing I had to do were find organizations that would appreciate what I am. And so if you're in an organization today that isn't a fit for you, I think you got to think about moving on. And I did that. And um, and what was the difference? Well, and, there, and there are lots of ways to be successful depending on, you know, your own definition of success. And I've already talked about, about what mine is. So if um, – so, for instance, uh, I left a situation that, that, that wasn't one that I was a good fit for, and I moved into one. It's Worthington Industries in Worthington, mm-hmm. Ohio. Uh, you know, a big uh, you know, steel processing company. And, you know, they, their tenant, right, their major tenant is treat other people like you want to be treated. Pretty simple, straightforward, fit me to a T. I walked in mm-hmm. the door, and everybody was that way. It was awesome. And so um, the way that that I was given more responsibility and, uh, and moved up, if you will, in the organization was, was just by helping other people be successful, right? Uh, not worrying about whether, you know, I did this or it was my idea. You know what? Whoever had the best idea, I'd just get behind it and do everything I could to try to make that, mm-hmm. you know, that idea be successful in the organization. And, you know, when, when you're doing that, if you're in the right organization, people actually do recognize that, mm. and uh, and and they do want you to do more. And uh, I've just always focused on what's best for the organization, what's best for the people I work with, and everything else has just happened. So you, you've talked to my grad classes about your purpose, mm-hmm. and you mentioned it here. What people don't know is what was the process to come up with that? Because I don't think you just woke up one morning and said, this is it. Ha. Huh. I didn't. I didn't. You know, it was there, but as were, you know, all of the sort of tenants I use today. But to be honest, uh, one day I was working at Pinnacle Data Systems as the CFO, and the next day I became the CEO, and all of a sudden people were asking me, uh, you know, where are we going? You know, how do you want us to do this? And, you know, I thought I knew what being a CEO was. I was close, but I really wasn't on the mark. No. And uh, so when you're put in that position, you really better know yourself pretty well. Mm -hmm. And so I had a coach, and that coach forced me, (laughs) kicking and screaming, to write down, you know, the answers to lots of questions about how I felt about things Mm -hmm. and how I thought. And, you know, and what was my mission in life mm-hmm. and, you know, and what kind of companies and what, what are the characteristics and really think through all that. And, and so one day on a, a plane early on as uh, my tenure as CEO at Pinnacle, I wrote uh, sort of uh, uh, what's on the car was, was on a card shortly thereafter, 10 tenants, that, mm-hmm. you know, that are just the way I live. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the way that I, I thought uh, would want the culture to be, mm-hmm. you know, at, at Pinnacle, uh, which was easy for me to, you know, to perpetuate because it was mm-hmm. what I thought anyway. <laughs> that was huge. First of all, knowing, knowing who I am, what I mm-hmm. think, how I work best, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then being able to translate that to how the organization should work to the benefit of everybody in the organization and, and everybody outside because you never want to forget all of the different constituencies that you have. And actually, one of the tenants was all about, you know, making sure that these four or five different constituencies mm-hmm. are covered the best they can. So my work is this innovative leadership focus. And often when I'm teaching, people want to know, what do I do? And yeah. what I'm hearing you say is, I need to know who I am. Yeah, and writing it. Write, and writing was the hard part for me. Write it down, write it down. Answer this Answer five questions deep. Okay, so this is the question. I answer the question. Okay, why did I answer it that way? Oh, okay. I answered it this way because of this. Okay, well, why did I answer that that way, mm-hmm. right? And getting all the way back to the very beginning of why you feel how you feel. 
And the workbooks that I've created, I was working on one this morning that, that uh, we sent into layout actually just this morning. And going through the case studies, this one happens to have three case studies. And the, the chapter was define your mission, define mm-hmm. your values. And it is hard to overemphasize it. And you've just given a brilliant example of you need to know that stuff. And I don't think any of us really likes doing the exercise. And yet the information it gives us about ourselves to be authentic and gives people around us is foundational to good leadership. You know, it's in your head. It's just not structured. You know, it's not easy to communicate something that you don't know how you want to communicate it. Mm-hmm. You know, by writing it down, I was able to structure it and, mm-hmm. and much better communicate, you know, how I work. It's a perfect note to end on. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Because people are clear about who you are and what you do. And having known you for maybe almost a decade, you consistently are perceived as someone who does what they say. You're clear about who you are, you're clear about what you do, and you deliver results. I think several people introduced us and some that I think the world of. And just having consistently built that reputation is is a big statement in roles that are tough, in roles that really ask you to step out of your values to get a result. And as a leader, to know that those values and not be tempted to do the easy thing is a differentiator. So thank you, Mike, for being here. And to our listeners, I hope that you've heard something today that sparks your curiosity, sparks something you might want to try. If you don't have clarity about your vision and values, it may make sense to do an exercise to more clearly define those and really think about how do I connect my vision vision and values to my daily activities and where am I being inconsistent among many other things. I encourage you to look up Next Defense and think about your security systems and how you're keeping, especially in a manufacturing environment or an infrastructure environment, how are you keeping your organization safe? Or how are you contributing to the safety of the organization? And even worse, to the lack of safety. So I would love to hear your questions. Please email me, info at metcalf-associates.com. I look forward to reading them on the air, and I will respond to you directly. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.